you join us on our page at the far end of the bar. He's Ben. And he is Richard. Uh, I'm going to start this week by asking you a question. Uh, Have you... Uh, no, you don't like I'm... questions. Do You don't like that. You, you immediately think that I'm tr- going to try and trick you in some well, way. I, yeah. I try and mean, show you up. It's your history in local radio where you were well known for snaring politicians and holding the great and the good and the bad to account. Oh no, sorry, that was that was someone else. That, that was someone else. Someone else. <laughs> <laughs> My question to you is a simple one. Okay. Have you ever read Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf? Uh, n- oh, no, no, don't don't hesitate. You either have or you haven't. Well, no, I'm I'm just I'm reason I'm hesitating is why would you ask me that? Well, I haven't read it either. Of course you haven't. Um, the reason I ask you is because I discovered this the other day. The original title for Mein Kampf right. was going to be Four and a Half Years of Struggle Against Lies, Stupidity and Cowardice. Mm. And I feel I'm living through that. He did have some issues, didn't he? He did. He, he, he was also prescient because, you know, that could... I'll read that again for you. Four and a half years of struggle against lies, stupidity and cowardice. Yeah. So he's kind of... You're, you're saying he's got a touch of the Nostradamus about him. He certainly has. It's And, it, and it's a snappy title. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Four and a half years of struggle against lies, stupidity and cowardice. What is that in German? Four and a half years <laughs> of struggle against lies, stupidity and cowardice. Uh, Herman, the camp German. How lovely to meet you again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> snappy, snappy. Thing yeah. is, um, having discovered that, um, if you were going to publish a book about yourself, otherwise mm-hmm. known as an autobiography right. or a memoir, uh-huh. what I would you call it? Have you ever thought about this? I'd call it... I've never thought about this. This has literally just come to me and it's a stroke of genius. You're going to hate it. But this is what I'd call it. I'd call it the oracles. I see why you think I'd hate that. And yet, (laughs) and yet. (laughs) And for the benefit of those people who don't realise your surname is Or, O-double-R. Uh-huh. Well, I suppose it's better than orcs. (laughs) What would you call yours? Well, I've thought about this. In fact, I've had this title with me for many, many years. I've done nothing Mm -hmm. about it. But my autobiography would be titled, if I ever got round to writing it, Get Out and Come Back When You've Got Something Sensible to Say. <laughs> well, another potential title for the podcast we put to one side. <laughs> now, this, um, this could... Why uh... would you have that as the title of your autobiography? That strikes... That would give an impression of a very impatient... Oh, I see. <laughs> it, it had nothing to do with impatience at all. It had an awful lot to do with my careers officer mm-hmm. when they had such things in school. Although, I mean, he wasn't there all the time. He just came in once a year yeah, and saw people who were just about to leave. Mm. And you had to line up and go and have, go and have your, your ten minutes with the careers officer. Right. Now, as a as a young man, as a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old man. My idea of what I like to do with my life had an awful lot to do with show business, in yeah. one way or another. 
you were you were destined, weren't you, from the start, from way be- before then? That's what I thought. I mean, I I was doing clubs and things as a kid, doing mm. impressions and, and making uh, you know making people laugh, and I enjoyed that. And I thought, well, there's got to be something in this. Mm. So anyway, Lewis, come in, sit down. So I came in, and I sat down opposite him, and he said, right. He said, what do you want to do then? And I said, well, I like to be a comedian. Mm. And he said, get out and come back when you've got something sensible to say. Oh. And I thought I, I, I thought he was kind of joking or something, but he wasn't. <laughs> and he showed me the door, and that was it. That, that was... was my interview with the careers officer. That's all you got? Never went back. Wow. He, he got that wrong, didn't he? He's like the, the guy who uh, turned down the Beatles. <laughs> wow. Well, ish. Not Slightly quite. smaller scale. Uh, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> My careers advisor advised me to become uh, a ringmaster in the circus. Get out of here. Yeah, I don't think he took it seriously. Ah, oh, I, I see. Was, by the time he got to O, he was bored, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and now he thought he's going to call his bio- autobiography The Oracles. <laughs> I'm not going to spend time mus- messing around with somebody who could. Only just come up with puns for a living. He can go and pun away in a circus. Um, so anyway, so I've had that. Have you got ten records? Have you got ten records on a list that would be your ten records when you are invited onto Desert Island Discs? Oh, now I haven't got a, like a definitive list. I have thought about this in the past. Yeah, and I could probably give you some, but. It would change tomorrow. Yes. In fact, yeah. it would probably change in an hour. Yes. Because my favourite record is constantly on a loop of various things. But I would say there are certain acts I would have to have one record of, at least. And I've set a kind of... I think it's kind of an unwritten rule that you don't have more than one song from an act anyway, right? So I'd have to have something from the Beatles. In oh, there. I don't know. I don't think there is. I, I, I think that, I, I, I mean, uh, who was it who, who went on and chose all their own records? Um, I can't remember now, but somebody actually chose, uh, they were all records by himself. It wasn't Engelbert Humperdinck. It might it? have been. <laughs> he, yeah. I interviewed him once and he exclusively revealed to me that the ringtone on his mobile phone was Please Release Me. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I, he was a great interview. Eng. Yeah. Um, I interviewed. I never got him. to call him Eng. I interviewed him and discovered that he had bought Dean Martin's Pink Palatial Palace. Right. So that was my way in because nobody ever asks him about that first out of the blocks. So uh, and and once once he'd admitted to the fact that he was the the uh, the man who lived in Dean Martin's ex pink palatial palace we were off and running Mm. what he revealed to me was that he developed a dimple in his chin he developed it he developed it um not born with it he developed it as a young boy in leicester jerry dorsey had decided that having a dimple in your chin was somehow um desirable Look, well, there you are. Desirable. The kind of sign of stardom that he always dreamed of. Right. So what he did, and remember, this is this is a man who is well in his 50s by the time I'm talking to him. Mm-hmm. This man is telling me, mind you, you know, I'd started him off about the Pink Palace. 
Yeah. And now he's telling me that what he used to do to develop his dimple in his chin mm-hmm. was to lie on his bed at night with his thumb right. stuck in the middle of his chin. And the harder he pressed down, the more of an indentation he got. Really? And I'm now thinking, well, if you're a kid, the spring, the, 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 the skin is very elastic. It just springs back. You can't make a dimple, can you? No, that just that just strikes me as rubbish. Nuts. <laughs> so now I've got that word whizzing around in my head. This guy is nuts. <laughs> Warning. <laughs> I don't, he wasn't. I don't. He wasn't Ken Russell level of nuts. <laughs> no, no, not quite. Who, oh, do you remember dear old I Ken? Do. Dear old Ken Russell. Uh, we were very worried about having him on the show because we know, knew just how, you know, off the wall yeah. Ken Russell, the director, the, uh, uh, the the wild child of the BBC, mm. the scourge of independent film uh, can be. Like to uh, drink, I think it's fair to say. Uh, oh boy, did he like a drink. Uh, and um, I've given away all my interviewing techniques here because, uh, as you know, I like, and as Engelbert knows, I like to mm. go in with something that other people don't necessarily think of. Yeah. And I discovered that Ken Russell lived almost next door to Benny Hill mm. when they grew up in Southampton. Yeah. And even more bizarrely, Benny Hill's father uh, was a man who made artificial limbs. So anyway... <laughs> So this this bizarre story is growing as as we're swapping uh, stories about good old Southampton, mm. uh, and then I got on to talking about film, yeah, and then I made the mistake, didn't I? Yeah, you know the mistake I made. Yeah, I made the mistake of saying to Ken Russell, Ken, when young filmmakers come to you, <laughs> what advice do you give them? <laughs> and Ken said, <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> There's approximately ten past three on local radio live. <laughs> so um, I, I did the only thing possible. I apologised and closed mm. the fader and went to a Phil Collins singing yet another song, uh, as I've, is the want of I've, local radio. I recently established that um, oh, what's his name now in Succession, the, the main guy, Brian Brian Cox. Brian Cox. Yeah, he based his famous. Catchphrase oh, in succession on that, on that very moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, I'll anyway. get the bleeper out. Yeah, yeah, that will beep. There was that was two very unexpected but lovely stories about uh, celebrities of yesteryear, and we covered Engelbert Humberdink, uh, Ken Russell, and Adolf um, Hitler. Adolf Hitler and uh, Benny Hill and his dad. Yes, what? the man who made artificial limbs. Put those five together on any other occasion and write to me. I want to hear about it. <laughs> Can I interest you in a drink? Chin chin. Now, this week, I thought what I'd do, rather than um, offer you something wild, because mm-hmm. you're seldom partial to anything wild, because we've enjoyed a few days when it's been well, you know, if, if you're listening to us in some far-off hot land, mm. we'd like to be with you. So please, send yeah. an airline ticket. <laughs> uh, we can join you. We can record this anywhere. Mm. Um, but we don't get the hot too often, and certainly not the sustained hot. And when we do, it's a national event. <laughs> and it's, it's all over the papers. It's all anyone talks about on the radio. 
there can be a war going on in our very own continent, and it's all about how it's the record temperature. Britain sizzles in the 70s. Uh, and there will be tabloid newspapers sending reporters out to see whether or not they can fry an egg on the pavement. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, but the thing is, it never stays very warm for very long here. But when it does get warm, we like it uh, and for a little while, and then we start to moan about, oh, it's too yeah. hot for me. Oh, it's too hot. What? Oh, I don't like it this hot. So, you know, we, we are generally a, a nation of moaners. But if you were going to quench your thirst on a hot day, yeah, I mean, there are some obvious things that you would reach for. Pina colada. Give me a oh, pina colada. Oh, there you go. Pina colada. A pina colada, very nice. An iced tea would be a, a beverage that I would reach for. I like an iced tea. Do you? Yeah, right. Yeah, a fruit punch. Mm-hmm. If I'm uh, if I'm abroad, if I'm in America, perhaps a Gatorade, a Gatorade, Gatorade. Uh, restore I've never those tried old. Gatorade. Is it any good, Gatorade? Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. You quench your thirst on a hot day. What's which the is taste of? Gators. Um, there's cranberry juice. <laughs> yeah. Now the cranberry juice, the cranberry doesn't actually. You could squeeze a little cranberry all you like, but you're not going to get an awful lot of juice out of cranberry. No. So if you buy the cranberry juice and you look at the ingredients, the very first ingredient in cranberry juice is water. Oh, yeah. And it's about 95% water. Isn't that the case with most juices? No, because you can juice an orange. I mean, you wouldn't have to add anything to an orange. Uh, A lot of citrus food, you would, you you know, even a pineapple, you could mush it all down, you get the pineapple juice and such like. But you can't get any juice out of a cranberry. Therefore, you have to kind of mix it all around, swirl it all around, and the water absorbs the juice. And then they sieve it out and they sell it to it 20 times more than they should do. And a milkshake is good as well. Do you like a milkshake? I don't mind a milkshake. I don't. Um, it's been a while because obviously you know, health reasons. They're not the healthiest of drinks, are they? But I don't mind a milkshake. I d- I'm not so keen on the um, some of the fast food food milkshakes that you get that that are so thick mm. that you get a hernia trying to actually <laughs> suck on the bloody thing. And how did you get this hernia, do you think, Mr. Lewis? I was sucking on a vanilla milkshake at the time. <laughs> uh, but here you are. I'm going to offer you the number one, can't be beaten, most refreshing drink that you can have on a hot day. And do you know what it is? Um, Gatorade. If we don't get a case of Gatorade after this, there's something very wrong with the world. Can I just say Mercedes? <laughs> <laughs> if you're sending crates of anything out, boys. Yeah. Mercedes. Lifelong no, well, driver. Well known for quenching the thirst on a hot day, a Mercedes. <laughs> it's quite. Um, the number one thirst quencher is not great Gatorade. It's water. Well, Natch, of course. Yeah, well, you say Natch and of course, but we get so obsessed with buying fizz or buying something that uh, replenishes the electrolytes or the mm. such like, we forget that actually a little bit of corporation pop straight corporation out of the pop. tap. Now, this is an interesting thing because I've recently uh, started having sessions with a personal trainer and um, he's got his work cut out. Yeah. Uh, Boy. And he, wow, right. Has I'm he got you fair- bending yet? 
If he gets me anywhere near being fit, I'm going to reward him as handsomely as I possibly can. But one of the things, he's a holistic personal trainer, as it turns out. And one of his uh, areas of expertise is nutrition. And Mm -hmm. one of the things he keeps drumming into me is, do not drink tap water. It is bad for you. Right. Because Because... it's full of uh, fluoride. And it's not filtered sufficiently enough to remove all the stuff that is leaching into the uh, water system all the time. So you're getting like all the kind of um, chemicals from the runoffs, just from you know human waste as well as what comes out of into the rivers from the fit of the farmers' fields and all that sort of stuff. It's filtered to a certain extent, but not well enough to remove it. So it's actually all that healthy for you. The, uh, the healthiest water to buy is the pure filtered spring water in the, in the bottle. Hmm. Has he got shares in Perrier? If he had shares in Perrier, he wouldn't be my personal trainer, would he? Uh, well, well, you, well, you see. see I, I understand why he would say that. Um, but at the same time, when we go abroad, um, there are certain countries still Mm. Uh, where you wouldn't drink the tap water. I, I remember in my lifetime being advised not to drink the tap water in Cornwall. Oh, well, there you go. You know, so it's not that long ago I mean, we there, had there, problems in this country. There are places that you would go where you wouldn't brush your teeth with the tap water. Mm, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think he's got a point. I think, you know, there are questions around fluoride and all that sort of stuff, but I think on balance... It's better to drink tap water than not drink any water. Uh, and obviously buying, exclusively buying spring water is not financially feasible, is it? So, um, you know, you have, to take, uh, you have to take that into consideration as well. What I don't necessarily understand about spring water is it will say something on the, uh, on the label to the effect of this spring water has, um, has been purified by the aquifers over many thousands of years. Mm. Bubbled to the surface, uh, run down clear and wonderful mountains uh, uh, before being bottled for your enjoyment. Mm. Best before May 2023. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it's the, bo- the, the the water companies, the bottled water companies that put the date on there. That's an insistence by, you know, health and safety's gone mad, that department of the government. I see. The Egypts. <laughs> I understand. So anyway, this this week, all I'm doing is offering you a glass of tap water, and you're saying you don't want it. <laughs> you thought that was a banker, didn't you? I'm I thought. Still I thought I managed absolutely <laughs> bolted on. He will go for a glass of tap water, and no, he really? found he found fault with that. Dear listener, <laughs> what can I do? Got something you want to tell us? Email thefarendofthebar at gmail.com or find us on Insta, Twitter or Facebook using the hashtag TFEOTB. What have you got over there? Well, um, I'd like to continue our new and actually regular series of stuff that Tobias has said with... More updates from... We should have a jingle. Tobias says. Yeah. I mean, he's first becoming uh, outside of my family and 
podcast partner, I suppose I should say, my favourite human on earth. Um, so this is a conversation he and I had earlier this week. He said, what is soya milk made of? <laughs> okay. I said, soya. He said, it's made from soy sauce. I said, no, soya beans. He said, oh, bloody hell. Go on then, make one of your notes. <laughs> Hang on a minute. He was under the impression when you... <laughs> no, surely not. He was under the impression that soy milk was made from soy sauce. In fairness to him, they do share some letters. So they do. <laughs> you can understand the confusion. Um, he'd said to me the other day, he said, Ben, I haven't listened to your podcast yet, Ben. I have commitment issues. <laughs> so I said, well, why would having commitment issues... It's not from... that long. It's not like the Irishman, is it? <laughs> no. And uh, he said, well, I don't want to upset it. He said, I don't want to start listening to the podcast and then go and listen to another podcast. I'd feel like I was letting the first podcast down. So I'm not listening to any podcast. Oh, well, that's fair enough. No, I, I like the reasoning behind that because obviously he is being loyal to no podcasts. Okay. Um, this was just this morning. He said, I get the blame for everything around here. I am the escape goat. <laughs> 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 He's Mrs. Malaprop, isn't uh, he? Oh dear. And then just before lunch, massive sneeze. You know the sort of sneeze where you're thinking to yourself, there was no need for that sneeze to be that massive. He's put a bit of extra effort into that one, right? Yeah. Just for dramatic effect. Massive Jet sneeze. Yeah. I said, bless you. He said, Oh, I think a bit of my brain flew out. Oh no, it's one of my contact lenses. <laughs> There we go. I mean, he's a genius. Steph Tobias has said more. Ah, lovely. As they happen. Have we got time for a little fact or fiction, or have you got something over there? Always up for a pub quiz. We've themed, we, I've themed this this week. Okay. So the the theme is feet. Feet. Feet, yeah. You ever worked in a shoe shop? Oh, right. Feet, as in not feats, as not in feats. things people have achieved. Feet, as in what's on the end of your legs. It, well, very good. See, I knew you were paying attention in biology. Yeah. So, number one, fact or fiction, the human foot is a complex thing. Mm. Treat it well, and it will last you all your life, saving for catastrophes. Mm-hmm. Each foot has 33 joints, 19 muscles, 10 tendons, and 107 ligaments. Right. Years ago, when shoe shops had x-ray machines in them, there will be children out there, children. There are no children listening to this rubbish. (laughs) There will be people out there thinking they had x-ray machines in shoe shops. You don't remember that, do you? Uh, I don't remember that, no. No. I I was kind of of there at the back end of this as a small boy. Right. But there there was a big brown thing. What were they looking for? Well, what happened was that it... There was a thing that looked like a lectern, and the assistant stood at this um, brown lectern, and there was a screen that they looked at. And the child, because it was always just for children, the child would stand the other side of the lectern and put their feet into a hole at the bottom of the lectern, and they could immediately see all the bones in their feet. It was an instant x-ray machine. I don't think anybody had heard of radiation at the time. 
why did they need to x-ray the feet? Uh, because what they would do, they, you, you put your pair of shoes, new shoes on, and then you would see how much growing room that you had. Instead of doing that age-old thing of just pressing your thumb at the end of the sandal, they well, they yeah. somebody came up with the idea that this would be a great gizmo to have in your shoe shop. An x-ray machine. Irradiate all the children. Yes. That's what we need to do. Yes. Don't use your thumb. That would be perfectly sensible and an accurate way of measuring it. No, no, no. Use this x-ray machine. You've got to remember. Which idiot thought about that? Well, some somebody at one, mean... one of the big <laughs> shoe companies thought, we're in the atomic age. What should we do? I know, x-ray machines in all shoe shops. This sounds like something a crazy boffin in a Roald Dahl book would come up with. <laughs> Just, you know, to, like, to cause mortal threat to the children. Well, indeed. Yeah. Uh, and it probably Ridiculous. affected a lot of us. It would explain an awful lot to do with me. Mm. Anyway, the assistant, anyway. If the assistant could uh, fit your shoe uh, and then check it by looking at your foot inside the shoe. And then they could count the bones in your feet. Right. And if you did that... You'd have been there a while because, this is the fact or fiction bit, there are 56 bones in each foot. Fact or 56, fiction. 56 bones in each foot? Yeah, fact or fiction. Okay, so, well, I mean, you know, thank you to the, uh, uh, thanks to the magic of x-ray, I'm now imagining a picture of a foot taken by an x-ray machine. And I am seeing an awful lot of bones. Now I come to think about it. Well, count them. One, two, three, four. <laughs> 54. Mm. Okay. 56. 56. Oh, 56. Yeah. Oh, well, now I'm not sure. Um, 56. Maybe we'll... Let me ruminate on that one. A bit of cogitation. And we'll, we'll go through the answers at the end. And you can just tell me straight away if I'm right or wrong. How's right, that okay. Sound? Question number two. Shoe size in Britain is measured in barley corns. In barley corns. Fact or fiction? Uh, barley corns. Uh, okay, that's going to be a guess because I've got no idea what barley corns are. But anyway, You've never heard about barley corn? No. Okay. Question number three. Come with me to the stage in Las Vegas where Elvis Presley is performing to sell out crowds. Uh -huh. Now we're going <laughs> to need a time machine, but stay with me. Okay. Uh, there are men and women in the audience who followed him since his hips slipped and his knees trembled. Strangely, there is a link between rock climbing and Elvis Presley. Is there? Because when you're tired and you're halfway up the face of a rock and your foot trembles on that rock, in climber's parlance, it's called Elvis Foot. Is it? Oh, because of what he used to do when he was doing that thing, that kind of famous move. The mm. classic Elvis. Mm. Ah. Oh, is this it? You're asking me if that's fact or fiction? I am. Okay. Okay, right. You have your answers. Yes. So, all the baloney about the X-ray machine, which was true, true baloney, mm. um, but uh, all led up to whether or not there are 56 bones in each foot. Yeah. Fact or fiction, 56 bones in each foot. I can't hear the word, incidentally, apropos of something, I can't hear the word baloney without immediately hearing, there's a sucker born every minute from Barnum. Uh, anyway, 
56 planes in every foot. I am saying Taru. Taru. Well, there are 206 bones in the body, but no. there are only 26 in each foot. Damn it. So you're a bit out there. You haven't yeah. got quite as many. Your, your shoes would rattle if you had 56 bones. Yeah, no, now I think about it, that was a really daft answer, wasn't it? Oh. Uh, question number two. Shoe size in Britain is measured in barleycorns. Mm. Before I answer this one, I'd just like to remind everyone that last week I got three out of three correct. Yes, he did tremendously well. Uh, and we sent corns. off the tape to Mensa. They're considering <laughs> whether or not to let him in. <laughs> yeah, we've already had the answer. It ended with off. Um, barley corns. It ended uh, with get out and come back when you've got something <laughs> sensible to say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, uh, is a complete guess. I'm going with, I'm, see what, I'm literally going to uh, toss a coin. Uh, that's how seriously I'm taking this one. Hold on. Oh, I've dropped it. Heads. So I've just decided that heads means true. <laughs> <laughs> which was which? It doesn't matter, does it? Uh, heads is true. You're going with fact. Okay. And you'll be right. Hey. A, a barleycorn is a unit of measurement that stretches back to Anglo-Saxon times based on the length of a grain of barley. There are three barleycorns to an inch, so mm -hmm. each shoe size adds a third of an inch in length to a shoe. Okay. So, so you could you can bore the people at Clark's the next time you go in for your slip-off. Um, and finally, the link between rock climbing and Elvis, uh, mm. because when you're tired and your foot trembles on the rock, in climbers' parlance, it's called Elvis foot. Mm. What did you mm. say? Oh, I said, hmm. No, before. Did you go oh. fact or fiction? I can't remember. I haven't decided yet. I'm still ruminating. Oh, all right, okay. Elvis. If I'm honest, where my brain was was trying to think of dreadful puns based around Elvis songs, but the only one I could think of was Love Me Tender, and I can't really do anything with Love that Love Me Tender? Yeah, Love Me Tender. That would have been, a, I mean, that would have been really bad. Yes, well, nobody say that. Uh, anyway, so in the lack of dreadful Elvis puns, uh, if you do think of any, the far end of the bar at gmail.com. Uh, I'm going to say um, true. It is a fact. Ah. <laughs> um, it's also known as disco knee. Okay, nice. But if you're uh, if you're a rock climber, uh, you're halfway up the rock, and I don't know, nerves take over, or you get that thing where where your foot starts to go. It's called Elvis foot, or disco knee. i tell you what that is. That is further proof that rock climbers are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, uh, I was going to say on that bombshell, but that's been used mm. by two previous broadcasters and, and we yeah. don't need to drop to that kind of level. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, we say thank you very much indeed for being there. And until we're, uh, we see you again from us, Reservoir. Cheerio. That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. If you enjoyed your time with us, please don't forget to like and subscribe to make sure you catch the next episode. And find us on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTV or email us at thefarendofthebar at gmail.com. Cheers! Cheers!